When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Conspiracy, the show, the world's most trusted conspiracy theory podcast, with your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Olivia Haidar. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Conspiracy the Show. I'm your host, Adam Todd Brown. Joining me as co-host this week, special guest, Travis Clark. What is up, Conspiracy Pals? Is that what you say to the... We haven't given them a name, but I think Conspiracy Pals makes the most sense. I think so, too. I mean, because, you know... we're, we're Conspiracy in... the Pals. Conspiracy the Pals, where we sit around and we talk about the conspiracy as the Pals. Correct. Everyone knows Travis. You've been on a few episodes, most recently the Hollow Moon episode. Goddamn Hollow Moon. I still say we are all just a galactic zoo and the aliens are up there looking at us and that's their observation tower. It's ringing. I can hear that Hollow Moon ringing ringing like a bell. Ah. I think we did a Courtney Love, Kurt Cobain episode at one point, which would track... Courtney Love is also hollow. <laughs> <She's>, <laughs> nothing in there. And that would track because yeah. Travis is my co-host on another podcast called You Don't Even Like This Band. And, you know, uh, I don't even like this conspiracy. I didn't like this conspiracy nor the documentary that we tried to watch to research this conspiracy. Sometimes that works. Sometimes a documentary gives you all the information you need, and that's great. In this case, as Travis can attest, about two-thirds of the way into the notes, I just wrote a thing that says, I'm going to have to research this myself. It's great. So to peer behind the curtain, listeners, Adam does a great job of like breaking down the topics and giving notes. And it became very clear that he was real time putting notes as he was watching the documentary. As I was reading them, I was like, oh, my God, this is word for word what I was thinking while watching it as well. It was like, what is happening here? Yeah, we're still going to talk about that documentary. But in terms of information about the theory we're covering, we had to reach out for some other sources (laughs) yeah and it's a weird theory i don't know how best to describe it the nazi a432 theory i guess which sounds like some robot ai (laughs) the nazi a432 yeah i mean take the name nazi out of there and it's a pretty cool name for any like a432 just sounds like i'm listening if you're Mm -hmm. if you say hey you want to know about a432 absolutely I'm going to say yes, and I expect it's going to be, yeah, like cool robot shit, but it's not. It's, uh, you know, THX1138 was really surpassed by uh, A432, and okay, sure, all right. This is a wild theory that claims 
that in 1939, infamous Nazi creep Joseph Goebbels instigated a movement to change the standard tuning for musical instruments from 432 hertz to 440 hertz. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of shit, Travis, you deal with sometimes. You do audio engineering. You're a musician. Yeah. And like tuning to A440 is like anybody who's used a chromatic tuner, like it says that and you just go, I guess, sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess I'm tuning to that because you said so. But what I'm hearing you say, though, about this tuning is that things were one way. And then Correct. Correct. come 1939, everything changed. Everything changed this was the 1939 (laughs) meeting that changed everything i just i love that like the way this conspiracy works or the way this theory works is that the entire world was like all right we need to figure out tunings and we need to figure out how the nazis are going to tune instruments it doesn't make any sense to me it really doesn't and it's one of those theories that for me falls apart right away because whenever someone tells you this i mean the obvious question is going to be well why why did the nazis (laughs) want to change the tuning of musical instruments to 440 hertz and the answer is usually oh you know to win the war which raises the next obvious question how are they going to win the war and the answer is by making us sad because slowly over decades just (laughs) eroding your happiness by eight hertz difference because you know how Americans were really happy during World War II when I mean, like all of the males under 40 were sent off to fight in a fucking war. Everyone was so thrilled about the rationing and about the lack of resources that people were just like, this is the best. I also here's where it falls. Williams, (laughs) baseball, everything was great. (laughs) What falls apart for me is let's actually say it's true. Let's say that's exactly what the Nazis did. They were like, we got them. We're going to do this. And we're like, that's what we kept after we won World War II. We're like, well, we're just going to leave the Nazi tuning alone. Like, that's fine. (laughs) Just keep it. Yeah. Yeah. And also, they didn't win the war. So that. Yeah. So it didn't work. It didn't work either. Or if they did try it, it's like, who fucking cares? Well, they didn't win the World War, but they won the tuning war. You know what I'm saying? Mm, Right. Long con. And also, like, the Nazis lost in, you know, in terms of World War II just means, like, we adopted them into the American government. Yeah. I mean, did you not want to go into space? You know, you got to have Nazis to go to space. Yeah. Or to nuke Japan. Yeah. Did you not want to nuke Japan? I bet Japan was like, hey, Japan's like the the Nazis, the fucking they were like, you know, what? we should we should have taken in some Nazis. We were they were our friends. Exactly. Why didn't we get their nuke bombs? Damn it. (laughs) We fucked up. So we are going to talk about the documentary in question here. It's called Oh, It Hurts. But we'll dive into this theory a little more first. But, you know, Adam, to to someone who's just listening, they might think you mean like hurts like pain, but it's Uh, it's not spelled that way. It's a punny title. It's a punny title. It's a little little wordplay for you, a little conspiracy theory wordplay. Oh, it hurts. H-E-R-T-Z. Can I tell you? Reference to the car rental company, obviously. That's what I was going to say. I'm such an idiot that when you first sent this to me, I was like, oh, conspiracy about rental cars. I like it. What are we? What, what, what is it? You know, like, and then I was like, oh, no, the sound. <laughs> Just my first thought was rental cars. So I really feel 
hurts the company kind of owns hurts the word more than the frequency kind of yeah right i wonder how hurts the company came up with that they were nazis they're just a bunch of nazis trying to rent cars yeah it's nazis yeah so yeah there are a couple of different write-ups out there that get into how this theory happened along with that documentary that we'll talk about later. For now, one of the better explanations of this theory out there comes from a writer named Jacob Marion. And given the spelling of that first name, I sure could be mispronouncing it. It looks like Yakub. I think it might be Yakub. Yeah. Well, that takes on a whole other conspiracy mm-hmm. hinge to it, because that's the name that the Nation of Islam assigns to the evil scientist who created white people in a lab. Well, I mean, actually, that just tracks for me. <laughs> yeah, this is probably a different Yakub. <laughs> How many Yakubs are there? There's this one, the one who created evil white people, and then that's it, right? There's just two of them. Yeah. It's just these two, yeah. And one of the things they explain in this article is all of the allegedly mystical properties Mm. surrounding the 432 hertz frequency because Mm -hmm. the argument here is that well 432 is what it used to be and then the nazis came along and changed it to 440 because one of the things people say about the 432 hertz frequency is that it's like the frequency of nature and that all these ancient cultures and civilizations used it prince used it and it's supposed to have these like special magic properties it feels like you can stop it prince used it like if you go prince prince was all right with that's probably the one we should use let's just make it the prince standard yeah exactly until you start talking opiates then Mm, yeah don't do that yeah don't don't (laughs) go the prince route he took 432 opiates you're like that's too many opiates prince Jesus. That that hurts. So here's a quote from this article about one of the magical things about 432, just as a number, not as a frequency. Okay. Indeed, it is an interesting number. It is a sum of four consecutive primes, 103, 107, 109, 113. It is exactly three gross where gross equals 144 as a traditional unit. An equilateral triangle whose area and perimeter are equal has the area of exactly the square root of 432, end quote. And it's like, yeah, if they didn't say that, I was going to say all that. I mean, all of that tracks also is, did AI write this article? It is just words. (laughs) It is a whole lot of words. And I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if AI cranked this out. But it's also to like an equal, what was it? An equilateral triangle whose area and perimeter are, are equal. That's already what an equilateral triangle is. <laughs> you, you, were you paying you by the word AI? What's happening here? Yeah, I think they were maybe just explaining what an equilateral triangle is. But the problem is anyone who's going to understand that sentence already knows what an equilateral triangle is you don't have to yakub explain it to him <laughs> don't yakub explain me bro right they also mention other stuff like how there are 432 buddha statues on mount meru ever been i summered there as a child nice yeah i brought a buddha statue home with me there's actually only 431 <gasps> You know, now that you mention it, the last time I was there, I was like, this feels like it's just like one off. Yeah. We either need to add eight more <laughs> or take more away. I can't decide what we need to do. It's actually right here behind me. Looks like a cardboard cut out of the Iron Giant. 
but it's actually a uh what do we say buddha statue a buddha statue yeah no a lot of people don't realize that buddha looked like a robot that was voiced by vin diesel most people don't realize that the iron giant of his day mm-hmm and very I much so argue. i would argue siddhartha iron giant gutama was his name <laughs> There are also some suggestions that this frequency is somehow related to the location of chakras. Oh. Which uh, prove it's not, you know? Mm-hmm. I also, I, I love this quote from the article. There is even a claim that scientists at Nike found out that the best golf balls have 432 dimples on them. I like that because it's not a claim. You could just Google that. Here is a quote from Nike about their <laughs> golf balls. They say they have a, quote, 432 dimple pattern cover designed for long, accurate flights. That's great, because, I mean, that is literally like you're conflating two things. You're like, well, 432 dimples to make a golf ball go clearly has something to do with, you know, how golf balls travel like sound. So <laughs> that's got to be the best way to tune things because of chakras and Buddha statues. You're like, exactly. Fuck are you talking about <laughs> they do hit on one pretty interesting point in this article when they're shooting down the idea of 432 being a magical number as it pertains to frequencies and here it goes this quote is kind of long but you'll all survive it is important to understand that 432 hertz refers to the number of vibrations per second and one second is a rather arbitrarily chosen unit originally from ancient times through the middle ages the hour was divided into two three four or 12 equal parts but never into 60. So there wasn't even a minute. Fractions of a minute were not used at all. There were no devices at the time that could measure such short periods of time. Had we stuck with dividing everything into 12 parts, the second could have been one twelfth of a minute or perhaps 1,728th of an hour, which would give a completely different numerical value for the same frequency. The current definition is just a coincidence. I thought that was kind of interesting and a good point, if nothing else. Yeah. Also, there's just so many things about time in that that I'm like, wait, wait when did we come up with second? There's your conspiracy. Who came up with seconds? Who started exactly. measuring things that way? And I think they do actually get into that a little bit in that article, which we'll link to. It's a I, I appreciate the tone they take with this conspiracy theory because it's not one of those articles that's like, here's the facts you decide for yourself they're just like nah this is bullshit i like that you like the tone of an article about frequencies so that makes me very happy <laughs> i don't get it what do you mean it's a, it, i'll explain later it's an it's it's an inside joke <laughs> so you know before we get a little further into it if we're going to talk about 440 and i mentioned this to you earlier if we're going to dive into it if you take 440 and you remove the zero you got four four and if you double that you get eight eight and the eighth letter of the alphabet is h so you got two h's so it's heil hitler so 440 mm. is clearly a nazi noise that does actually make yeah. a lot of sense it just totally checks out you know and i feel like we could have just like tweeted that instead yeah. of recording this pod <laughs> would have got the same amount of information <laughs> uh travis thinks all noises are nazi noises and then been like oh okay well finally tweet went viral well that makes sense <laughs> so 
this same article and pretty much any article you'll read debunking this Nazi theory traces the genesis of the 432 hertz debate back to the 19th century. And one of the things they bring up in particular in this article is the 19th century pitch wars, Mm -hmm. which I had never heard of. I hadn't either, but I find this fascinating and I'm not being sarcastic at all. And the best way to explain it is uh, if you play a stringed instrument, those strings are going to sound better the higher the tension is. Like when you have to change your strings, it's usually because they've lost their tension. And so you have to replace them. In the 19th century, they weren't manufacturing different gauges of strings and things like that. It wasn't as readily available. So what orchestras of the time would do is just tune their instruments a little bit higher than everyone else to increase that string tension and make their shit sound better. And this turned into a war, basically, where all of these orchestras were competing to play their stuff at higher pitch frequencies. and. This, as you can imagine, if you're a singer, was a nightmare for singers. Oh, for sure. You're like, uh, this used to be in my register. What what are we doing now? Yeah. And, you know, not just that, but they would have to go sing the same song in different registers at different orchestras. Oh, my God. Turns into a whole nightmare. And apparently they complained about it enough in France that the government there decided to make a... 435 the official standard 435 hertz not 432 interesting and that was decided in 1859 and a bunch of orchestras and opera houses and things all throughout europe followed suit somehow britain fucked it up that doesn't track at all for how britain is yeah they misinterpreted the french tuning and made their official tuning 439 hertz Oh, I got his little from the French bloke, and he wants me to tone it. I think it says 439. I said, what are we going to do? Is that all right? (laughs) Oi, (laughs) bruv. 439, bruv. Oh, isn't it? That's what we're tuning to, isn't it? And so Britain is tuning to 439. The rest of Europe is doing 435. And this state of absolute chaos carries on for decades until 1939. When it was decided at a meeting of the British Standards Institute that we should all just start fucking with 440 hertz for our tuning. And the British Standards Institute. That's great. <laughs> and this is the fateful meeting that Goebbels and the Nazis are said to have infiltrated. And in the name of changing the tuning of musical instruments to make Americans so sad that we would lose the war or just the allies so sad that we would lose the war. You know, now that you're talking about it in this terms of they're changing all music to make people sad, wouldn't it make Germans sad as well? Isn't everybody just going to be sad? Who are you working for, Travis? (laughs) What's with all these questions? You know, I'm just trying to critically think about this idea of like, if we're making everyone sad, some of those people are on our side. That was always my question (laughs) when Early on in COVID, there was this like conspiracy theory about 5G spreading COVID. (laughs) Oh, right. And it's like, that's going to get the people spreading it too. Like, that's not a smart bomb. That's just like 5G's everywhere. That's just a bomb. Yeah. It's not just a dumb bomb. And Uh, so 
I was just thinking like the real sinister act is that if we were having tuning wars in the 19th century to like go higher, then we get like, you know, corn coming in and going like everything needs to be lower, you know, like they come and change everything in the night in the 1990s. So that's where your real conspiracy is, is the corn spiracy. And and they have notoriously happy fans. <laughs> just unbelievable. Just just love the sound of slappy clicky bass tones. Yeah. So it does stand to reason mm-hmm. that maybe this theory is true. So the thing about that meeting is even if the Nazis were there, and they probably were, like they were the German government in 1939. Right. <laughs> All you're really saying is the German government was at this meeting of a bunch of world governments. And it's like, well, yeah, no shit. They were at the 36 Olympics too. Yeah. Can you believe the Republicans are in Congress? Yeah. The, half of them are, that's <laughs> what they're, yes. And even if they were there, and even if they were the ones who recommended the change to 440 Hertz, when you take that British 439 Hertz thing into account, (laughs) this is meaningless. Like, I guess I'm not an expert in sound wave frequencies or whatever, but I bet that jump from 439 to 440 in Britain had zero impact on the outcome of the war. If I want to imagine what I think really happened is uh, the Nazis are at this British Standard Institute and they're Sikh Highland, right? But of course. But the British Institute thinks they're raising their hand, so they're like, uh, "Yes, Germany." And they're like, oh, "What if we were four forty? Oh, that's only one more. Sure. Why not? Why not, bruv? It's only one more. You know, sense of unity." All the while, Goebbels is looking at yeah. that tweet of yours, forty-four, <laughs> smiling. So even then, the part where it was officially adopted as the standard everywhere didn't happen until 1955, when the Nazis were well past defeated. So it's kind of a baseless theory. Yeah. Is this like somebody was just had free time and they just decided, well, I saw the British standards was 1939 and I saw Goebbels was there, so... I'm just going to say Nazis made 440 tuning. It's interesting you should ask because it's almost like I read the notes. (laughs) (laughs) Up next, we're going to get into how this theory started right after this break. (laughs) So right around the time the documentary we're going to talk about in a minute was released, a meme started circulating on the internet. Oh, I should get on that. I've heard it's cool. It is. It's pretty neat. You can find really cool information. Mm -hmm. Accurate, uh, accurate information too. Like this meme that was going around, it was around August, 2021. And we'll link to all of this in the show notes. The meme, it's very colorful, Mm -hmm. very, very psychedelic. It's got a picture of Jimi Hendrix, except the planets are in his Afro. And he's got like a wormhole in his Afro. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot happening there. And it says, did you know, (laughs) Jimi Hendrix, all caps, along with John Lennon, all caps, Bob Marley and Prince, not all caps. Yeah, what the hell happened there? All tune their music to a specific frequency of 432 hertz. It is known as the beat of the earth, has substantial healing benefits, and ancient Egyptian and Greek instruments were discovered tuned to 432 hertz pause stand by there's no fucking way an instrument would hold its goddamn tuning i got a guitar i tuned yesterday that i guarantee you is not in tune right now you can't take a guitar outside in cold weather 
and expect it to keep its fucking tuning. <laughs> and also, too, like, how do you know that they didn't just... It's so arbitrary. It's so fucking arbitrary. <laughs> All right, back to this meme. However, since 1953, it's actually 1955. Nice. All music has been tuned to 440 hertz. This frequency has no scientific relationship with All our caps. universe and actually causes the brain to become agitated. The Nazis in World War II used this frequency against their enemies to make them feel and think a certain way. End meme. And there's so many things towards the end there that I take exception to. It's like it has no scientific relationship with our universe other than the fact that we used things in our universe to measure it. So it's right. very much part of our universe. And also, too, it gets very aggressive. You know, oh, I, I heard you heard something at 440. I guess you feel a certain way about it. Like you're <laughs> You're making it, you know, I apologize for you feeling bad. I'm sorry. That's how you took it. And also this frequency has no scientific relationship with our universe. It sounds like it has the exact same scientific relationship with our universe that 432 does, but just in the opposite way. One makes you happy. One makes you sad. I'm sorry, memesters, but that is a scientific relationship. Yeah. With our universe. Man, it's like 432 is the blue pill and 440 is the red pill. You know what I mean, man? <laughs> it is kind of like that. <laughs> and just eight hertz, bro. Eight hertz is what separates you from being happy or sad. Think about that next time you're fucking listening to something. <laughs> okay, thanks, dude. All right, thank you. Can I my coffee, please? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Great. So, again... Can I get a table for two is what I asked you. <laughs> so when this meme started going around, Reuters picked up on it and we'll link to this article. Also, they dug a little deeper into the Nazi allegations. They traced the origins of the claim back to a 1988 article in the publication run by OG conspiracy theorist Lyndon LaRouche. The always reliable Lyndon LaRouche. Yeah, that's a name that does not have a tinge of credibility to it. No, no, not at all. It's not just that he's a conspiracy theorist. He was borderline cult leader status. That guy was bad times. And even then, the article says nothing about the 440 hertz tuning making people feel and think a certain way. All it's about is the Nazis allegedly being the ones who organized this meeting and made this decision to switch to standard 440 hertz tuning. And the article just says how the Nazis ruined musical tuning. It's nothing at all about them using that tuning to win the war. Wouldn't it be great if that's all Nazis did? Like, if you're like, if we looked back in history and you're like, oh, there was this you know, group of people called the Nazis, what they do? And oh, they fucked up how we tune things. Oh, that's inconvenient. Anything else? No. No, that's no, it. No, we didn't, we didn't let them do anything else. We, we stopped them with the tuning. That's why we can never let them come back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, next yeah. time you see a Nazi, you slap them at 432 hertz. <laughs> and so Reuters also points out Another obvious drawback to this theory, which is that not all music is tuned to 440 hertz. What? Just because some group in 1955 was like, this is what it should be. It's not like the cops are going to show up and arrest you 
if you tune to a different frequency. Going back to corn, you know, corn, yeah. corn was like, we're going to tune to like floppy noise. And then we're just going to all be at that noise. And they sold millions of albums. The stuff they got in trouble for had nothing to do with their tuning ability. Yeah. Nirvana played in drop D tuning all the time. Mm-hmm. It's such a common thing. Reuters points out that Cuban music tends to tune to a more a frequency closer to 436 hertz. Oh, another thing they point out, there was a Prince tour where during an interview, someone mentioned that all of the pianos had to be tuned different because Japan uses a different tuning. Now, if this was a Nazi plot during World War II, no one was closer to the Nazis than, well, Italy, but <laughs> Japan also. So like Japan probably would have just adopted it back then if this was really a thing. Yeah, they'd have been like, well, our friend said this is what we have to do, too, so please please tune this way, yeah. So this theory is bullshit. Yeah, I mean, it, after someone says it to you and if it, you ingest it and you go, oh, yeah, I guess there are different frequencies. Oh, I wonder, yeah, interesting idea, like change the way music is tuned to like affect people's mood. And then the second you go, but wait a minute, doesn't like it immediately falls apart the second you say, but wait a minute, like yeah. you have to have beyond suspension of disbelief. You have to have no critical thinking at all for this to resonate with you. Get it? Resonate? Get it? <laughs> Nevertheless, that doesn't change the fact <laughs> that an entire documentary that is ostensibly about this theory does exist. And that was the initial idea. We were just going to cover this documentary. It's called, again, Oh, it hurts. And it is really about so much more than this theory. I would argue it is almost not about this theory at all and is more about how the filmmaker loves the word gonorrhea. That is true. <laughs> I would more, say what I later. Yeah, there's <laughs> I would say this documentary, other than saying this theory at one point and then addressing it eventually it is almost not about this at all it's almost like that was like well if we don't add this on i don't know how we market this yeah and it feels like the meme going around and this documentary being a thing are not unrelated Mm. because they happen in such close proximity and you're right the nazi stuff does feel a little just kind of like tagged on yeah so the lady who made this documentary is a singer and performer and and i guess a bit of a audiophile in her own regard and it just seems like she was like you know i studied film at art school but i never did anything with it so what if i did a film now is what yeah. it felt like to me and it doesn't look bad no like, it's shot well the lighting is fine the sound quality is great if you're like an asmr type and you really want to hear those dry erase markers squeaking on that board but it's also just so weird it's a documentary about her which is my least favorite thing for a documentary filmmaker to do is tell us it's about one thing and then it's really just a highlight of you yeah and it's you wanted to make a vanity piece and then you're like did nazis make a sound that makes people sad i don't know but i love sound and you're like, oh, okay, great. Yeah. It's, <laughs> the woman's name is Loria Mott. There's a scene early on where she breaks a glass with her voice. 
I don't know if that, I don't yeah. think that really happened. I don't know. She's way into sounds and recording sounds and mixing sounds. She talks about how sounds make her emotional. She says champagne bubbles are one of her favorite sounds. And Travis, I don't doubt that one bit. There's a scene in the movie where she's saying that, and it's a close-up of a champagne glass, right? And it's got a little yeah. audio design to it. And you're like, okay, that's cool. I got distracted by the fact that there is a hair in frame. <laughs> and I'm like the fuck is happening with this shampoo like uh, great that that's your favorite song why is there hair in the champagne and then you pull it back and it's like she's holding it up to her ear and you're like <laughs> okay but like it's just a weird shot to give me while you're saying your favorite thing is this because champagne and hair don't typically go together she she really reaches to make this about the nazi thing too and i think a good example of that there's two quotes from really early on <laughs> One, she says the sound of dogs walking gives her the creeps because it reminds her of Nazis marching. And here's the thing. No, it doesn't. Huh? Shut the fuck up. No one thinks of dogs that way. Dogs rule. Even if you hate dogs, you know you're the problem. Uh, yeah, that's a big stretch when you're like, when I see a dog walking, all I can think about are the stormtroopers <laughs> and how they just ruined lives. You're like, from the dog the <laughs> dog has a are... ball and wants to play fetch i don't know what the fuck you're talking about the dog is innocent <laughs> yeah also i somehow find this quote even weirder this is a direct quote i like music goebbels also liked music i find that strange end quote you find it strange that a person liked music <laughs> huh <laughs> what why is that straight and then just moves on it makes no sense i like eating food cannibals eat people i find that strange <laughs> what the fuck should i try people yes mm, delicious long pig <laughs> and that's when she sort of touches on the theory in this documentary she runs through like some of the basics and i had in here that we were going to go through the theory a little bit but we already did. We did that, uh, yeah. Extensively. Uh, far more extensively than this documentary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can skip the documentary and just replay the first part of this, and you will be more informed than if you watch the entire documentary. 100%. But instead, let's talk about her pointing that fucking listening device at people on the streets of Providence, Rhode Island, and getting no reaction. I want the outtakes of people, like, pointing guns back at her or, like, yelling at her because i wouldn't stand for that no and it's it's such a look at me moment that it has to be people going the fuck because if you're gonna go around with a shotgun mic to like record sounds that's kind of a very obvious thing it takes up a lot of room like okay i get that but she's wearing a reel-to-reel -reel tape recorder around her waist which nobody has done in like 70 years. That hasn't been the way people record sounds since like the 50s. So it's like you're walking around with an antique being like, I'm recording you on your skateboard. I'm recording you having an argument. I'm recording that car. Everything's noise and sound. It could be a song. You're like, no, it isn't. You're weird. I guarantee to the residents of Providence, Rhode Island, she is the crazy sound lady. <laughs> Right. And that's why no one was reacting. It's like, oh, there's the woman who's going to point a fucking microphone at you if you walk past. Look, just don't give her any money. Don't talk to her. Just give her a wide berth. Let her do her thing. 
she's harmless ish, but just don't engage. And when she first left the house with that thing, I was like, man, that's a cool fucking purse. <laughs> it is big. It is not a small, you know, spy. It's not good. It's not a good look. And like, I have a phone case. It's not on my phone right now, but I have a phone case that looks like an old cassette. And that's what I thought was happening. I thought this was just like a functional bag designed to look like a reel to reel recorder. And then she starts pointing the world's longest shotgun mic at every sound she hears. And I'm like, oh, you're really trying to be noticed right now, huh? Yeah. For those who don't know, a shotgun mic is like, it's a long tube. It looks like the barrel of a shotgun, which is why it's called a shotgun mic. And they're typically, I don't know, foot, foot and a half. Some are like maybe even two feet long. Hers is like longer than an arm. You could pole vault with this shotgun mic. And she's just pointing it at random people. It's the kind of shit only white people are comfortable doing. Yeah. And she has a pistol grip on it. So it looks yeah. like some like 50s ray gun that she's pointing at people. Like if you saw it from far enough away, you would think she was pointing guns at people. <laughs> You're like, Grandma Reel to Reel is trying to shoot people with a death ray. We gotta, we gotta stop her. Yeah, it's insane. And no one says a word. And that's how I know she is a fixture in this community. Like, there was a guy where I grew up in Peoria named Willie York. Willie York lived on the streets of Peoria, Illinois. He would wear necklaces with animal teeth, like yep. made out of animal teeth. <laughs> okay, yeah. And would sometimes eat cats. Like if he found a dead cat, he would sometimes give it some noms. But uh, otherwise, very like he was just like a fixture. Like you would just sometimes you'd see him and you'd be like, there's Willie York. He's that one of those people that everyone in town knew. He was like a local celebrity. I guarantee that's Loria Mott in Providence, Rhode Island. When I lived in Venice, California, not Italy. When I lived in Venice, there was a guy named Pink Man. And Pink Man not surprisingly, wore head-to-toe spandex that was pink and rode a unicycle and he had a cape. And you'd see him around and you're like, that's Pink Man. But then one day, Pink Man showed up at my work, like delivering something on an elevator. <laughs> and he came out of the elevator in pink spandex with a cape on a unicycle to deliver something. And I went, Pink Man. He goes, you know the Pink Man? I'm like, motherfucker, everybody knows you. You're the guy in pink spandex on a unicycle. Yes. <laughs> You know the pink man. <laughs> Why did you call me that? Because it's your name, bro. Oh, yeah, I forgot I'm wearing this. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. She's pointing these microphones. Yeah. yeah. This documentary, it's artsy as fuck. There's one scene where she just stares off into the distance silently, and it carries on a long time. And that is immediately followed by an initially unnamed woman just hitting a huge drum one time and then looking at the camera like, you feeling that? She doesn't say anything. And it turns out that's Dame Evelyn Glennie, a percussionist who, I can't tell if she's been deaf since the age of 12 or if she started going deaf at the age of 12. And I'm not trying to be ableist in any way, <laughs> but she did not strike me as somebody who was deaf. I got the sense she was maybe deaf in one ear. Oh, okay. Because it, it definitely seemed like she could hear something. Well, also in the way she talks too, there's no... Yeah, there's no... Uh, uh, but I mean, you know, if it started at age 12, then she had plenty of time to like develop her voice. But I've... A percussionist also. I've talked to people who are very hard of hearing or who, are, who have lost hearing after they've done that. 
and after a while you you lose the nuances of i'm speaking quietly i'm speaking loudly and it's just it's either too loud or too quiet and she very much kind of understood where she was in a conversation with someone yeah i mean she might wear hearing aids no i'm sure but the whole time she's on screen i'm like this is going to tie into the nazi thing yeah i was thinking that too i was like oh this is going to be the lady who's like the Nazis took my hearing and here's how they did it. I'm like, oh, okay. And it does tie into the theory, but only in that Lori Amat is like, well, Dame Evelyn, she more feels music as a vibration as opposed to hearing it. And I'm like, yeah, I think it might be a little bit of both, but it's fine. And she's just like, is this what Goebbels and the Nazis were doing? And it's like, is what? what Goebbels and the Nazis were doing. Like, what is your question even? (laughs) Were they hitting a drum and feeling it in their arm and decided that dynamics, it has to do more with resonance? Is that what the Nazis were? I have no idea. What is your point, woman? And then they briefly cut back to Dame Evelyn talking about how important the sounds are around you. And she goes, do you even think about the high and low frequencies in a home before you buy it? It's like, how? How would I do that? How? <laughs> Walk in with a guitar tuner like I'm <laughs> yeah. hunting ghosts. I'm this, 444 in this room. Mm, this house is tuned to 420. And that's a weird one. I can't do it. <laughs> I feel high. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm real forgetful and hungry. I can't live here. <laughs> yeah, then it just jumps to Arkansas. Now we're in Arkansas. Yeah, you have this in your notes a few times, and I loved it because I felt the same thing. They just put up no context. Like, they'll put up a city name, but not the state. And you're like, where are we? There's what? And then now we're in Arkansas, USA. Because everything up to this, it's been like Providence and city names. And now it's like, well, is this a city named Arkansas somewhere? (laughs) Right. Or do you think we just won't know that the city you're about to name is in Arkansas, but everyone does know Providence? No one knows the name Little Rock. We can't just say that. The most famous gang-banging documentary (laughs) of all time takes place in Little Rock. It does. That's a gnarly one, too. It is. And gang-banging meaning like street gangs. people, And also... Yeah, a lot of group fucking. A lot of group sex. Weird. Very weird. So Jamie Butt Turf. I did not care for this guy. He smokes brown cigarettes. He lives in what looks like a converted garage. Or was that just his workshop? I don't know. He's got cats. I like that part. But he is a researcher and YouTuber. He says 440 hertz is very disharmonious to the body. And he brings up that meeting of the British Standards Institute and says Goebbels and the Nazis spearheaded the effort to change the A note frequency. And it's like, can you at least put some citations up on the screen? Not that guy. (laughs) None. None. He says the 432 tuning is found all throughout history in all sorts of ancient cultures. And that means it must come from the body and be sacred and yada, yada, yada. But the part I really like. Yeah, this is great. Is when he gets into how he doesn't talk to his family because they're brainwashed and he sees things differently and at a higher level than most people. And he has not questioned one bit about any of this. No, he says people meet me and they either think I'm an idiot because they're brainwashed or if they're not brainwashed, I'm a genius. And you're like, 
fuck off dude like that guy for sure doesn't talk to his family because his mom won't let him live in the garage for free anymore like that's why he's doesn't talk <laughs> yeah. to them you know yeah that's what brainwashed <laughs> yeah <laughs> my mom was like you need to start paying rent i'm like that's just what the nazis want you to think because they tuned instruments to 440 ma it takes 25 to 30 years to become a professional youtuber mom i'm on the cusp mom I'm on the cusp. You understand how hard it was to get 50 subscribers. I'm so close. <laughs> yeah. At this point I have in the notes, I never thought I'd say this about a 90 minute documentary, but this could be about 45 minutes shorter. Oh my God. It could be about 72 minutes shorter. This is like an 18 minute conversation. The next sequence, I think really sums up this documentary perfectly. First, it cuts to Loria Mott on the streets of somewhere and she says it makes me crazy when i find new shoes and this happens <laughs> and she just one is just recording the sound her shoes are making when she walks also what does find new shoes mean um i'm guessing she's a freegan you know she just goes around and, uh, and whatever exists is now hers is that how you got that reel to reel recorder in that <laughs> probably right? yeah someone was just throwing away this perfectly useless piece of technology <laughs> this expensive piece of vintage audio equipment was just in a box on my porch weird then the i would argue the key moment in this documentary happens next <laughs> and that is when after complaining about her microphone that she carries picking up the sound of her shoes she goes i love the sound of the word gonorrhea and then she says gonorrhea about 7500 times in every conceivable manner possible gonorrhea 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 like just every way you can say it and it is art oh wait no wait, wait. before i want to say it's art let's rewind and pretend i didn't say it's art yet okay. then a building collapses <laughs> art it's art here's what i think was going on i think she had gonorrhea and she's like i'm gonna destigmatize it i'm gonna <laughs> say it so much it's just gonna be normal it's my movie it's my movie i can do whatever i want and it worked. Yeah, by the end, you're like, eh, gonorrhea is not so bad. I heard it like 7,500 times. It doesn't bother me anymore. I think I'm comfortable with it now. Yeah. And then, man, next they interview a guy named Jeff Folks. That guy. Whew. He is a poet and cymatics expert. I'm going to guess he's more one than the other. <laughs> cymatics for people at home is either one, the study of wave phenomena, especially sound and their visual representations, or two, a therapy in which sound waves are directed at the body with the aim of promoting health. So like vibrating crystals and shit. Or when someone says something really annoying and you go, <sighs> <laughs> that's cymatics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In this section. Yeah. Because here's the thing. He talks about how everything in the world is impacted by sound vibration, including how we communicate with each other. He talks about this shit at length. And I am trying to be a better me, but I will say I found it very funny that a guy with ears as large as his was like, I'm really influenced by sound. I'm like, yeah, I think so, <laughs> man. That's... that's 
seems he, to be. He shows all this old timey footage of like sand and iron particles and things like getting into a formation because they're introduced to sound waves and things. And he's not the only one. Laurie Amat also asked the question, well, is that happening inside our body when we're hit with sound waves? And it's like, did you ask a doctor? Yeah, man. If you put an iron plate in you and you put certain kinds of gypsum in there, it is going to form a weird shape. But other than that, probably not. And we do know there are sound weapons, like the police have that big radar thing that they can point at a crowd to make you feel weird and uncomfortable. But I think we would recognize if it was also happening every time we listen to fucking Why Don't We Do It in the Road by the Beatles or something. <laughs> yeah. Every time I listen to Hey Jude, uh, it sounds like there's a metal scraping bug <laughs> eating my brain. That's just 440, bro. That's just how it is. That's just that song. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> hate that song. So yeah, we talked to Jeff Vokes for about two and a half hours in this documentary. Don't forget his uh, semi-naked yoga to sound extravaganza in his right. yard. Yeah. Which is also not going to be the only extended scene involving someone doing yoga. <laughs> and so then we move on to bergen norway which i had to look up is that a city yes it is so we don't know what part of norway it's in it's just the city of bergen bergen and so Loria mott is talking about how she was on tour in norway and in need of some good vibrations and then this is where we get to see her doing like hanging yoga or something while an absolute caricature of a woman plays a hurdy-gurdy or some shit like she's goddamn sting she's playing like a concertina like bellows that's pumping a constant tone and someone in the room is singing and they're hitting quartz bowls and doing this like sound bath while people are hanging from this like purple tapestry they're being rocked like babies and then people are coming and humming into their bodies if this were me i'd be like get the fuck away from me and then Lori just starts growling <laughs> yeah she starts making noises like a trapped animal yeah <laughs> I don't, shit in there? I don't know if you've ever heard a cornered porcupine, but it sounded just <laughs> like that. So what this whole section was about is does what happens to iron particles under a microscope also happen to us inside our body? They don't answer that question. They just ask it. Yeah. And also, too, there was a moment where she for sure came. She oh, yeah, for yeah. sure had an orgasm by she this. Yeah. Yeah. Probably when that woman was blowing on her cooch. <laughs> yeah. First, I was like. Is that lady? Oh, my God. That, she's putting her mouth on her. What the fuck? It's interesting. Norway's crazy, man. Bro. And Always also, true. I feel like that scene was like, I think if we film this, the movie will pay for it. It felt like a very much like, I want to do this thing and this will get paid for. Yeah. I do feel like this was kind of a tax write-off moment. Yeah. Like, well, let's take a trip to Norway and clear our mind and come back and finish this documentary. And so... Is Lori a spy? Because there's a part where she's in Norway just pointing her microphone contraption at random apartment windows and this is why i'm not fun to watch movies with because <laughs> i'm as, as i'm watching it i went that's not how that works the amount you would have to crank the gain to be able to point that microphone at a window at that distance to hear it anything that walked by would literally deafen you it's not a magic wand where you can just point it at something and hear what's going on behind a brick wall right and even if it was yeah 
you're invading people's privacy, dude. <laughs> like, she listens to people having sex at one point is what we're yeah. supposed to believe. Yeah. I love to imagine there's a moment where she had to go knock on that apartment door and be like, hey, I just picked up noise. You having sex. You want to sign this release? Yeah. So will you sign this release like, so I can use your orgasm in my movie about Nazi noise? So I can use it in my weird Kurt Cobain <laughs> montage of heck bullshit music. <laughs> That would be kind of a cool credit, especially if you're just a random person in Norway. You're like, I only have one credit on IMDb, and it's, uh, I don't know why I'm Scottish now. Uh, <laughs> I only have one credit on IMDb, and it's its sex noises in this, like, Nazi noise documentary. But it's, you know. Got if, my SAG card. Got so. my SAG card, and, you know, every couple, of, every couple of months I get, like, a dime. But, you know, it's, it was a cool experience. So her point in that contraption at random windows is followed by a scene of someone driving way too fast through the Norway countryside. And I put a really great joke in the notes. I said, I hope they're headed to the interesting part of this <laughs> No such luck, Adam. They are in fact headed to the most boring part of this documentary, <laughs> which is an interview with some Lex Luthor looking guy named Stieg Arnie Skilbray, who just wants to talk about his audiophile music collection. And I'd like to say he does reference himself as being an audiophile. He is more of a equipment hoarder than an yeah. audiophile. Yeah. He calls himself an audiophile, but he's like, I found sheesh into garbage. Yeah. Like, they threw him away because they suck. And he's like, these are the best speakers. And there's like duct tape on them and like pieces of brick or something like that. He's like, I added this to make it sound better. And you're like, Dude, that's he that's, added ribs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, how did she ribs? <laughs> like human bone. <laughs> and then he's like telling you, he's like, these speakers are closed and not like the open ported ones that are popular now that I do not care for. And I'm like, okay, buddy. All right. And this is another part where I was like, this is going to lead to something, right? Ideally. And it really doesn't. There's a admittedly a bummer of a moment where we find out Stieg has cancer or had cancer, which that sucks. Obviously I'm not going to make fun of him for that. I will make fun of him for his speakers. Cause it seems like he pulled through. So uh... <laughs> the healing power of sound. <laughs> and yeah, he talks about how David Bowie had the same cancer and he died from it. And I was like, do it, do it. Say it's because he tuned to a 440. Just he... do it. He never says that. So then we move on to an American Legion veteran bar in East Greenwich, Connecticut. I would guess. Probably something like that. This documentary is a goddamn geography quiz. And so what are we doing at this bar? Finally, we're getting to something important, which yep. is footage of Lori and her mom singing karaoke. And we should point out, Lori is not a young woman. I think she's in her late 60s. Her mom is like 91, I think. Yes. She's like, she's really up there. And there's this really weird scene before this where she's holding this very brittle looking 45 record. And she's like, this is the most precious thing. This is one of the few recordings of my mother singing. And I'm like, oh, her mother's no longer with us. Okay. This is her connection to her past. And she's like, of course, you know, I'm grateful that she had me, but I kind of wish she would have just been a singer. And I'm like, what? <laughs> And then it cuts to her in the bar singing with her. I'm like, well, she is singing. And she is. What the fuck are you talking about? It's so weird. 
And Wait, she's Pat- alive? Wait, what? How old is your mom? <laughs> and then that cuts to a scene of a little girl playing with a balloon. <laughs> yes, this is so fucked up. That is then quickly followed by a scene of an old man snoring while a little girl is in the room. And it seems like he's going to die from sleep apnea while this girl just like watches in silent awe. But then he farts himself back <laughs> to life. And that's when I have the note here that says, I'm going to have to research this fucking theory myself, huh? That, first of all, your description of the scene, which was, again, almost like exactly how I described it. And then that note, I was like, yeah, that's pretty much the turning point. When the old man farts himself back into existence and you go, this is not a movie about anything. This is not, I don't know what the fuck this is, but this is not a movie about Nazi noise. This is a movie about a woman who is like, I have this really funny idea. Like grandpa's snoring and you think he's dying. It really it sounds like a bear growling. It sounds like it snores somewhere in between. And then he dies and it's like, did I just witness my grandfather's death? But then he farts and now he's alive. And you're like, okay, <laughs> this is why they made therapy. You know, I don't think we need to make a movie. And then after that, we meet some ambient musician lady named Yoko Sen. She was adorable, man. (laughs) Yeah, she's the highlight of this. She talks about how she's concerned about the sounds in hospitals. And I was concerned that we only had 29 minutes (laughs) when she's introduced. And I'm like, surely she's not going to be the one to make the Nazi connection. That does not feel like where we're headed. She starts talking about how when you're in a hospital, like none of the noises are harmonious. Like they all kind of clash with each other. And she was talking about how one note is, a, you know, like the heart monitor is a C and the alert thing is like an F sharp. And she's like, that's a diminished fifth. And this was a fun moment I had. I was like, oh, that's the devil in music. And then she goes, it's the devil in music. And I was all, fuck yeah, I know my shit. I felt like so proud of myself in that moment. I was like, yeah. I know what the devil in music is. So George I felt really- Harrison called them naughty chords. Metallica called it their biggest hit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, after this, we finally start getting to the point of the documentary. And by that, I mean, I'm just joking. There's a scene of Lori riding a... I don't know what she's doing, but my note says riding a back. I don't think that's <laughs> no, no, yeah. riding horseback. I don't yeah, know she's like, there was a bunch of different things. It was like, here's all these different noises and our opinions of them. And then it's like, then there's like a horror movie close up of a dentist coming at you. Yeah, there's a, a shot of her grating cheese. There is a very fun anecdote about how a friend of hers called to tell her that his dad died, but he started having a sneezing fit and couldn't get the words out. So now every time she hears someone sneeze, she thinks of her friend's dead father. And that was pure comedy right there. It was great because she's playing this clearly like recreated voice message that has like bad staged sneezing in it. And then she's walking (laughs) down the street and a guy goes, and she's all like, I can't think of my father, my friend's father dying when I hear someone sneeze. And you're like, none of this really happened. All of this is staged. All of none of this is real. But then we do get to her making some phone calls to confirm this theory about the Nazis. And by that, I mean, she makes one phone call. It was one of the funniest phone calls. She calls the British Standard Institute and it's like, here's who I am. Do you have notes from 1939? And the person on the phone's like, uh, no. <laughs> 
we definitely don't have that. Like you can send me an email asking what, and if we have minutes from that and it's public, I could send you a copy, but I don't know what, what you're on about lady. Yeah. It was really weird. And then immediately moves into an interview with a professor with a special interest in sound as a weapon named Toby Hayes, who spells his last name in such an infuriating way. H-E-Y-S. Yeah, like that it. right there. Talk about use of sound as a weapon. Like yeah. you spell it that way and want me to say it that way? Okay. Like, sorry to be namotypical, but <laughs> I feel like that's not how you spell the last name Hayes. And he talks about stuff everyone who's been on the internet knows. The police have a weapon that they can point at a crowd of protesters that will just make everyone feel weird. But even then, that's more like a microwave weapon. That's not really a sound wave weapon. Yeah, I, I texted you before we did this. There's the Havana syndrome thing, which is, I think, the same kind of weapon where yeah. it's like it just cooks the inside of your brain and it's a noise slash microwave and it sounds like something is chewing your brain. And then the next thing you know, you never hear again. Right. But again, you would notice if that was happening every time BTS came on the radio or some shit. <laughs> yeah, when you're like, man, Imagine Dragons makes me feel like my brain's melting. I mean, Imagine Dragons does make me feel like my brain's melting. But, but in the best possible way. <laughs> I mention Imagine Dragons because I don't know if you noticed this, but there's like a music bed that I'm assuming Lori made to go in. Oh, yeah. The, and it is 100% a total ripoff of believer by imagine dragons yeah yeah my favorite thing about imagine dragons is that their name is also a suggestion for something you can do instead of listening to their music <laughs> about dragons till it's over you i know. need a suggestion from the audience of what i should be doing right now imagine dragons all right we're gonna think about a dragon so toby hayes talks about some bullshit he talks about the wandering souls campaign during vietnam war look it up it was they were a ska band and i'm sorry it's the bouncing souls wrong there wrong thing and then we finally finally get to talking about this theory and here's the thing there is 14 minutes left in the documentary by the time it happens <laughs> yeah this is a type of documentary where you are frequently going how much longer or like you press the yes. button and you're like okay and this part made me so fucking mad same. She talks to a woman named Fanny Grabensky, who is a PhD and music historian, which sounds like arguably the best job, but later for that. She's here to let us know that this is all a myth, which everyone watching this documentary already knows that because they got bored enough to just Google it about halfway through. Like yeah, and also too, like this could have either opened the movie or it, I felt like they were like, oh, you know what? We made this whole movie. We never answered what this thing does. Let's go talk to Fanny. She's great. And yeah, they let Fanny shoot this down for about two minutes. And then Lori just comes back on and goes, well, that's a relief. And it's like, you motherfucker, you could have just Googled that. You didn't have to make this a documentary. Ugh. And the, then this was my favorite part of the whole thing. And then it ends mercifully with Lori going, what is the last sound I want to hear before I die? And then she just stares at the camera for about another 55 to 60 minutes in silence. And then we finally get to the credits and all of the different talking heads are attempting to answer this question and only one of them gives a good answer mm -hmm. and that is the lovely and talented yoko sen who says she wants to hear her husband's farts <laughs> that's what she wants to be the last noise 
She's adorable. She was the best part of this. Yeah, that was like such a surprising answer. The only other answer that was surprising to me and not in a good way was Jamie. What's his name? Buttruff? Buttertruff? Yeah. He couldn't think of the name Swish. He was like, when a basketball goes through a net, but like it just goes straight through. And, it, and you're like a swish and he's like and it's just it's just one sound it's swish like, it's called a swish swoosh? Swoosh? <laughs> yeah. no that's that's nike thing damn it he couldn't think of the word swish it was so funny to me yeah that was great and yeah this is a real wikipedia page of a documentary like it pretends it's going to be about one thing and then it just runs you through the basic facts and then it is artistic masturbation after that yeah, it is very much Wikipedia in that you're not sure who really put this all together. <laughs> you're like, yeah. who, who? There's no oversight on this. Does um, she know this is a documentary? Yeah, I don't think she did. <laughs> I think she, if we go to Providence right now, she's still walking around with that damn reel to reel pointing it at people. Oh, absolutely. She's yeah. the microphone lady. Yeah. The Providence microphone lady. <laughs> Adam, it does raise the question, though what's the last sound you want to hear before you die? Uh, just joking and then i live for like another 150 years nice yeah yeah i don't know who i want to say just joking busta rhymes i forgot i had a joke in the notes the yeah, last that, thing you want to hear before i die yeah. is pop that pussy by two live crew yeah 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 it makes sense to me <laughs> yeah that was a better joke i should have just done that <laughs> i don't I know if i have one i don't know if i have one i think my yeah. like mine would just be like probably me being like don't forget to follow adam on instagram you know i'm just yeah, yeah i'm not gonna be like yeah. get the soundboard get the soundboard play the air horn i'm going play the air horn i want to hear a reggaeton air horn you know actually i think the last thing i want to hear is you going do we have anything to plug and i'll be like nope <laughs> i'm afraid not tune to 4 30 time of death 440 interesting Ooh. Hmm. so that is the end of our episode i'm glad i looked into this more myself instead of just basing this whole episode on the documentary yeah i mean look Lori seems like like the quirky friend of your aunt that you're like oh she's kind of fun when she comes over and she has weird opinions but i don't know if, if filmmaking's her thing and then one day your aunt's like she made a movie you're like, like what fucking what what a whole one no not really <laughs> <laughs> it's like five different mini movies that don't really connect <laughs> yeah so hey travis i think yes. that's our episode thank you so much thanks for having me on I'm like look i i love a chance to talk about a weird conspiracy any chance so this was fun and and plus too like i just love the idea that people are like yep eight hertz difference is the difference between happy and sad that's the only see i thought we were going to get into things like brown notes you know where it's like there's yeah. a certain frequency just makes you shit yourself and you're like okay they never even why wouldn't the nazis do that if you had nothing but people shitting themselves on the battlefield i feel like you win that battle absolutely that would be the obvious choice but go yeah. figure it didn't get into any of that, but hey, do you have anything to plug before we get out of here? I'm only going to unplug my life machine and that's it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I guess this is a, a very advanced plug. My first audio book that I narrate will be out September 1st of this year. It is called Stone's Throw and it'll be available on Audible. So if you want to hear a nice 
I don't know, pulpy crime novel narrated by a guy who talks like this. Check that out. <laughs> Very nice. Check out our lost rewatch podcast going back. Oh, nice. Spin off of this show that I host with Olivia Hydar. You can get that wherever podcasts are at. And uh, there's lots of changes coming to the Unpops Network. So be on the lookout for that. In the meantime, let's get the fuck out of here. Travis, say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. People of Earth, your planet is about to be destroyed.